Hello and welcome. My name is Tanai and I help women become confident with themselves and their sexuality and shed the pressure to be the good girl. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, only to find out that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia, so drop all of your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a celebrity, <laughs> Calvin Ramirez. He's the morning Girl. show co-host. <laughs> He's the morning show co-host at Hits 97.3. And we go way back to college where we had a very special project together. Um, we created what was called Out in the Ville, which was basically like a mini food network show. Um, based out of Gainesville, Florida, we were, where we went to the University of Florida. And it really set us off in both of our careers. We were both um, pursuing a video production careers. And that was where we were hosting a little show where we would go to restaurants and talk about the restaurants and interview the chefs. And it had like zero planning. And it was amazing. <laughs> it's incredible how when you have, you know, how when you like have no idea what you're getting into. Um, it's just so much more fun, right? To be fair tonight, you need to stop giving me so much credit because every time that people have asked me or talked to me about it, I'm like, she created it. I helped her. So you, you created out of the bill. And submitted it to the College Emmy Awards. Um, yes, 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 yes. That's a big part. <laughs> but I would say that, that Calvin really brought more pizzazz to the show. And uh, yeah, more personality. Spirit fingers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about his coming out story and uh, what it's been like for him to move in with his boyfriend and all the challenges that most of us go through when we're moving in with someone for the first time, especially a partner. And um, Kelvin is Nicaraguan American, correct? That's right. And grew up, and grew yep. up in Miami. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went to UF that I actually realized that I didn't really grow up in Miami because mm-hmm. I grew up way more north than what people actually consider Miami. And what you see on TV about the classic Hispanic Miami family is what you get. And, and I, you know, there's so much there about being raised in a family like that. So we're going to hear a little bit about that as well. Is there anything that I missed about your intro that you'd like my listeners? To you, know? you've covered it all tonight. You've covered it all. wonderful all right so just yeah just tell us a little about about yourself though like what's who are you what do you do and um and what are you passionate about well you started off right we're both college emmy winners um both went to uf uh born and raised in miami in south florida nicaraguan american i am finally at a place in my life where i got the career that i wanted and it all happened very, very fast just last year. And I'm just kind of growing into my own in that phase of my life because I honestly thought it was going to take a little bit longer. Um, I'm also, I know a big part of uh, this podcast is to talk about like my moving out and coming out process, which all happened at the same time, which has been incredibly intense and has driven me to therapy. And, and, and I say that with positive reinforcement. So I'm definitely going through that right now um, in the healthiest way possible. And I'm just, I try to be as happy-go-lucky as much as I can in my everyday life. I mean, my job is to be happy-go-lucky, so why not match that with my life? Um, And yeah, but, you know, you go through your struggles as a regular human being does. And I can say this is like the most stable and calm mist of my life that I've ever been in. So. Mm. that's me enjoy that i so see that and hear that in your in your way of speaking so what has been your relationship to intimacy and commitment growing up like how comfortable were you getting vulnerable being intimate what was your experience so i love when straight men are curious about my experience 
And I always, I always get the same question. Like, how was it growing up? Like, were you this or what, what, what was that? Like, did you always, you know, it wasn't until college where I was finally on my own. I experienced just like realizing that I'm a very proud bisexual and, you know, growing up as far as for intimacy, I always liked girls. I just always did. I always remember having intense emotions and crushes on women. And it wasn't until maybe middle school that I started thinking like, oh, could I be with a guy? But, you know, I grew up in a very homophobic family. Um, my sister was uh, exiled uh, from the family island at a very young age. And I never was really, I never was really taught or, or, or understood about what that was or what that world was. I just knew that it was wrong. Um, so for me to have any emotions towards a man, it was like something I had to put off for such a long time. So there were, there were times where like growing up, I, I kind of like faked a persona of myself to be a little bit more straight, I guess, be a little less queer, control the music. Mm, what did I look like? Not fun. <laughs> Not fun. Um, it was, it, and it's funny because I never really thought about that until recently. Like Pride Month just ended, and I see all these other videos of guys talking about like, "Yo, gay people don't grow up as themselves; they grow up as a different version." And I never even thought about that or even fathomed the idea. But it's true. I remember just controlling the type of music that I would listen to. Um, I would try to get into things that I necessarily didn't really like, like basketball, just to like keep up with my brothers. So intimacy to me was um was kind of weird uh, my dad wasn't the most like communicative if that's the right word um but he he really didn't expressive. express himself yeah he wasn't really expressive in the way that he said his emotions he was a provider but not in the expressive kind of way my mother too she was always there for me if i needed her but the problems that i was going through emotionally i could never go to her about it so it was kind of hard I, it's like i grew up in a shell almost i was only 50 percent of myself growing up yeah you know it's um i had um my last guest on the show also spoke about his coming out story and he was like first off there isn't just one coming out story there's several and also why why i think coming out stories are so important to tell is because of what you said you know anyone who's considered in the closet in the way that we you know use it in society is hiding, like you said, like most of themselves, but we all really are hiding ourselves to some degree. We're all in different closets. Right. And so I think there's so much to learn about these stories because you can speak firsthand, like the impact of not being yourself and hiding who you really are. Um, even if it's something like the, the music that you like, mm -hmm. because yeah, then you, then you, you don't really get to connect with people if you're not really being you in those relationships. Right. It's why I'm so obnoxious right now about Lady Gaga. It's like all I ever talk about. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So in your, um, how did that show up in your relationships? Like having to hold back a little or, or even like, I know, I know some like health stuff has come up for you. Like, did you, do you feel like the anxiety was related to having to hold yourself back? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so because I'm starting to gain weight again. Now I'm the most comfortable in my life. So I don't know, but I, I always felt, you know what it was though? I, I, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this in my next session, but I always felt like guys didn't hit on me. And I don't know whether it was because I wasn't fully out or because I wasn't comfortable with myself, or maybe it was a combination of it all. And then you factor in the weight issue. You know, and, and I know everyone has issues with weight. It's not just like a me thing or me being gay thing. I know everybody has really issues with it. But, you know, it wasn't until I, I did lose weight that I felt like I was getting more hit on and I was getting more attention. But I was taken, you know, like, mm. mind you, I'm talking about me being skinny last year. It's like the mm -hmm. first time that I finally hit under 200 pounds and I was getting hit on. And, you know, when you're taken, I think it feels like more people want to hit on you more. But um, yeah, it's like. There, yeah. The less meaty you are, the less you're looking for it, the more people are like, ooh, he's unavailable. 100%. So I don't know. I mean, the first like 
my first relate like I don't know I've never had like a true true girl relationship like I did sort of but it wasn't really official but I consider it was and it never went to the next level the one after that I don't know I had one guy that I told him I liked him and then it just didn't work out I just didn't want to pursue it and it really wasn't until college where I started experimenting and I and I felt comfortable with the word bisexual because growing up, you know, you were always told you're gay, you're a fag, you're gay, you're this. And it's like, chill. Like, I don't even know if I am. I'm not even being allowed to be comfortable with that term because you're shoving it down my throat. You're defining who I am. And you get to a point where you resent it, where you fight back. And it's like, I wish I got to a place where I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I am. Huh, all right, cool. Like, I was able to discover that. Maybe like, you know? Yeah. There's a lot being bullied into being told that you're gay when you can't even discover it yourself can really take a toll on you, especially when you become an adult and like sit down and talk about it. Mm, yeah, of course. And how did that impact your identity as a man? I like, well, like I said before, I, I, I faked a lot. I faked a lot. I held back a lot. I wasn't able to express myself like I wanted to. I, I played a character for a few years, even in college, like my first year, I played a character that really wasn't who I am. Um, and I just didn't like that. Growing up, what was your image of a man, especially like in a Nicaraguan American family? Oh, my God. I, I assumed a guy who played sports and was able to provide for his family. And you had to have, you know, at least two kids and that red door with the tire swing set. and you totally off topic but you know in the hispanic community how much there's like racism and stuff you know and it was always like date the white person with the blonde hair and the blue eyes and this mm. and that so well it's funny that was a lot of what topic, like that is in topic because it's like it's impossible to actually like be open to intimacy if it's against what you think is right right 100 you know, if it's completely opposite to what actually is in your heart then that's you no know, i i was reading this book by Osho. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, mm. But he was saying that everybody's afraid of intimacy because if there's a part of you that you don't love, then you're not intimate with that part. And if you're not an open book, then it's there's no intimacy. Like intimacy is being able to be an open book with another person. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. At least my early dating life. Right. Yeah. I would like, I would ask girls like, do you want me to hold your hand? Like, why would you even ever say that? Like, it was just, I think yeah. about that now, but that totally makes sense. Yeah. So what, what then was the turning point for you to want to like start identifying yourself as bisexual or gay and actually come out and tell the world? So like I told you in high school, I like, I like met this guy and he was once again, like reasons why I messed up. He was this macho dude who loved cars and trucks and he was gay and he was into me. And I was like, what? Mm. I, I just, I had no idea about the, like, you, you have the the stereotypical gay people and you think that that's the only thing that's around. So that was introduced to me very early on uh, in my gay coming out. But after that, I put it off. I went to college and I think by my second year, honestly and truthfully, a guy, just a mutual friend latched onto me, made out with me after we were walking in downtown Gainesville and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, let's just make out. And I was completely embarrassed. And I was like, mm. what just happened? But in the back of my head, I was like, I liked it. Mm. And then when they dropped us off, we both parked our cars right next to each other at like, uh, I can't remember. It was like on Archer or something. It was one of those apartment complexes. And I was like, get in my car. And then we just made out. And I realized I really enjoyed this. And it was the first time that it was something in my control. And I felt good about it. And it wasn't until I like, I don't know, I think when I got home and I, I might have heard the term bisexual somewhere. And I was like, I still relate to that. Because yes, like, I may be interested in more men than I am to women, but that doesn't erase the fact that I'm bisexual. Right. So I think the minute that I realized like bisexual, that's something I'm really comfortable with. I'm really happy with that. And I relate to it was the day that I was like, I can't wait to tell my friends. And then that's a whole other, that's a whole other adventure. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything, anything worth sharing about that adventure? Scary. It's scary. It's scary. And every single person I told is a different story. I remember telling you 
I remember yeah. telling Helen at Cantina. I told you we were at, we were at my birthday celebration. It was like right before summer A was about to finish. We were gonna go back to like wherever we were going. And I was like, hey, I have to tell you something. And you were like, what? And I was like, I'll just tell you later. And I was like, no, tonight. Like, I'll just tell you later tonight. And you were like, no, tell me now. I'm going to get anxious. Like, I can't. And I was like, okay, fine. I was like, I love Binga. And you were like, oh, okay. Yeah, I love that. Oh I was God. like, yeah. <laughs> and that was like, that was at Cantina or Grogs. It was one of those. But I totally remember. Oh, my remember. God. I remember. You were like so happy drunk that night. Yes, I was very happy drunk. And, you know, most of my friends and, and family were pretty good experience, um, obviously, except my parents. Um, and this one friend. Yeah, how was that? <laughs> the one. So I, there's like two things that I want to bring up. Um, mostly everyone was great and kind um, and accepting. There was one. There was two friends, two close friends of mine that felt like. It felt like I didn't come out to them in the correct way that they wanted me to, which was something that is like mind blowing to me because it's my personal truth mm. that I am finally vulnerable enough to share with you. But they thought that I should have done it in a different way. Like one guy friend of mine who is gay thought that I should have told him first because mm. I was close to him. But I was like, I, this is the way that I wanted to do it. And it, it was my truth. And we're definitely over it. We joke about it now. My other friend, I had to tell two of my friends while I was like a little tipsy. And mind you, I was closer to one than the other, but I felt in the safe space to say it. And like, I had a few drinks and I was comfortable. So she was like, oh, I just didn't like that you didn't tell me like personally. And I was like, but I told you, but that's like the most important part. So Isn't that funny? That's actually really, like, you're not the first person to tell me that. That's wild. Are, I yeah. can't believe that. People I can't get believe affected. that. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually people that get offended and, and think like, I thought we were closer than that. That's ironic. But anyways, um, my parents, my mom found out earlier than my father did. She found out in 2016 and it was a photo by accident that she saw. I gave her the phone to talk to my grandma. And um, when you hang up, it goes straight to the screen that you were before. And it was a photo of me kissing a guy that my friend took at Cantina. And it was just, a shit show i had to come out to my sister immediately in north carolina because that's the one that i was very close to and i was like please yeah. talk to her get her just come back to the room and it was just so scary and we had like a really bumpy relationship after that mm -hmm. for like a year or two um how did that how did that feel like did you feel any shame or or like like you didn't belong in your family at the time it was anxiety driven 24 7 like she would she doesn't know, like I said, I, I I grew up in a family that was very good at communicating their emotions and feelings. So she never, she assumed a lot of things. She went with stereotypes. She would say passive aggressive things. And that was a lot of that. She assumed a lot of my life. Like I would be crying at like, I remember specifically watching a Selena uh, interview and I get emotional. Like I grew up listening to her. Mind you, they never knew I was gay, but I was literally five years old singing with a microphone in my hand doing como la flor but they never knew right yeah and i remember I, I i like from time to time i love watching her interviews she's just so charismatic and charming so i was watching it with her and she knows i love her and she was like why are you crying are you crying because of a guy and i was like where did that even come from like i i, I didn't even date while i was like in your home um doing that so, so i don't know it was a combination of a lot of things i mean she stopped doing that after a while and it wasn't like, oh, she became accepting and she had the pride flag. But recently, I want to say like maybe two years ago, we started having more open discussions about it. And I was like, mom, like, you think I woke up and chose, hey, I want my family to hate me and, and exclude me from things? Like, you think I really chose that? And she totally understood. And like I said, she's not going to be out there waving the pride flag at pride parades. But it was great to have a conversation like that for her to acknowledge, like, hey, I was born this way. Mm. My dad, on the other hand, I didn't come out to him until the day before i moved out here with my boyfriend hey dad i'm gay and, and i'm also moving out and i'm, I'm leaving <laughs> yeah i wow. exhausted every um opportunity i had staying at home i collected all my coins i made sure to do it's not like i was being secretive like my dad is a troll so every time i would like come back home late he'd be like con quien estaba con tu novio mm -hmm. or yeah with your boyfriend and i was like yes I was. I never lied. I never lied. As like evil as that yeah. sounds, like I never lied. But I, I did say I was like, yeah, I was with my boyfriend. 
and he thought I was just joking the whole time. And that was like the craziest. That's like I never even thought about how crazy that was, but that's me. And um, and yeah, I I made sure to take advantage of me staying at home. My mom kind of knew when she started getting very silent the last few weeks, and that was really tough because I I needed her support, but she wasn't happy with where I was moving and and with who I was moving with. Mind you, she didn't know my boyfriend. Um, so I, my dad kept asking me like, who are you moving in with? Who are you moving in with? And I was like, a, a roommate, Lester. And he's like, I've never even heard of him. And I was like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He kept drilling and drilling and drilling as I was packing as much as I could just to be prepared. And finally I was like, yeah, he's just like a gay guy who works at like Sawgrass Mills Mall. He's really cool. And he's like, wow. And then he's like, no puedo respirar. Oh, oh, being super fucking dramatic. And he like sits down. He's like, this semen, not so gay, not so gay. And I was like, dad, like, no, I'm not. Like, I was just like, I want to do it right then and there, but we had a family friend in the living room and she kept checking in and out of my room. So it was just a really awful situation to be in. And I, I wanted to tell him, but it was like, it was just too awkward of a situation. And he was like, okay, bueno, si, si vas a vivir con esta persona, no quiero que tome foto. No quiero que tome foto con gente gay. And I was like, dad, I work in radio. You're never going to tell me to not take a photo with anyone ever in your life. I can take photos with who and whomever I want. Like you can't like crazy to me. The fact that he even said that don't take a photo. Don't tell anyone. The fuck. So I, I was like, no. And when I clapped back, he was like, that is like me coming out. And he was just like, I've never seen him act the way that he did. Like, he was just like, cool. He left. He came back and he was like, try talking to me, but he couldn't. He was being just weird. And the next day, that was like the last goodbye. He hasn't talked to me since November. Wow. That's yeah. tough. Did you have, even at the beginning, did you have any mentors or anyone who gave you words that really helped you get through all of that? I, a lot, everybody, everybody knew my situation everybody knew and everybody asked me the same question every single time which like i need to start telling people to stop asking me they're always like has your dad talked to you yet and i'm like no but i prepared myself mentally that he wasn't going to so i don't feel sadness about it did i feel sadness maybe the first few days yes because i had moved to a new place i couldn't even organize the things in my bathroom on moving day i just got emotional about it It was just a lot all at once so a lot of my friends will ask me that like a lot of like out of town yeah. friends like has he talked to you yet i'm like no and they're like wow that's crazy i'm like no it's not i expected it yeah so that's sort of like the unhelpful question but was there anyone who gave you some words that that you know because like even even with your mom like what you're talking about here is like a lot for a person you know and and i'm sure you know i'm sure you you growing up were have been really close to your parents and it seems like a really you know like significant shift so so I was just wondering, like, did anyone really give you words of affirmation or, or words of confidence for you? I think I've been out for so long that I've had such great support from my friends for a really long time. And I've just con- consistently, I've always heard it. I've always heard, like, you know, that has nothing to do with you. Like, you're amazing. It's their loss. They don't want you in your life. Like, so I've, I, I've always felt supported. Like, I've had really great, even my radio friends at, at work, like, they they know my situation very very well because we get into these topics about relationships and and there were times where I couldn't even talk about a certain guy relationship that I had because I just the chance of them possibly hearing like might have been a big deal and I wouldn't want to come out on the radio as they're listening so yeah that was also tumultuous as well at times it was kind of annoying really uh but no I have I have I have a lot of great friends from everywhere my job my close friends college friends so Oh, that's amazing. So that's really been like your support system throughout this, throughout all of your struggles within this. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout these last few years. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And so now you're in this relationship. Um, how easy for you was it to commit to this man after, you know, having like your whole life not really been in a serious relationship like this one? It's my first real serious relationship. And a lot of my friends were just like, that's like kind of, a lot of them didn't say it was crazy in the beginning. They said it was crazy. Uh, But I, I, I was not hesitant to live with Oscar ever. I actually championed it probably more than he did. 
he's very much old school and traditional. He wants to have a ring before he moves in with anyone. And it took some convincing, but finally he was like, okay, like, let's do it. Like maybe we live together for a year or two. And then I expect things to move along, but like, I have yeah. to live with someone. Why, but why do you think, yeah. Why do you think it's so, e- how, how was it so easy for you to like transition and get into this relationship after not being in one your whole life? You know, I, I, I asked this a lot, um, or not asked, but it's been discussed with like a lot of my friends and, um, you know, two specifically my old close friends, they were like, yeah, like, we'll see where it goes. Like it's your first real relationship. So like, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. But then I, I talked to my, I thought other, the same thing. Yeah. I, I talked to my other coworkers and they were like, well, you're dating at 26, 27. Like that's completely different than dating at 18, 19, 20, 21. And you're at a completely different place in your life. It wasn't until I felt totally comfortable with where I was at life with the radio station. I was like, I finally started my career. I'm doing traffic, but it doesn't matter. I'm finally doing it. And I felt good with not being on the apps and not searching for love everywhere I went. Then I got the DM Mm -hmm. and he was like, Hey, can I take you out to dinner? And I was like, okay. We had dated for two years. His family loves me. They're very, very sweet. Um, and it was it a combination of like wanting to finally leave and start and grow up. And I was already 27, 26. I just wanted to get out. Absolutely. But there wasn't a moment where I was like, man, like, is it too soon? Or is this kind of crazy? Like was completely comfortable with moving in with him. He, he gives me such a sense of calmness and peace. And now I get to take advantage of that. Cause we live together. So that's beautiful. Yeah. So in a way, like there was a, a sense of like the perfect compliment. Like it was like, he compliments you so well that it was like easy to to flow into this relationship. Yeah, 100%. There hasn't been a moment where I was like, fuck, I kind of regret doing this. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And you know what what, what I find interesting is uh is that your job is to be out there with other people like fully open, you know, and and fully yourself and fully loud and fully like you said like on and, and happy go lucky. Um, would you say that it's, that it's been easier for you to be open in yourself with a bigger audience than with like single people? Like has, was it easy for you in the beginning with your boyfriend to really be yourself and connect, um, as easy as it is for you with an audience? No, I think, I think, um, there was definitely struggles in the beginning. Like I remember when I was a teacher and my students would ask me like, Oh, do you have a girlfriend? And I was like, no. And I told him that and he's like, well, why didn't you tell me you had a boyfriend? And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm working in Doral and there's a bunch of straight men here. Like what? I don't know if I want to say that right now. And even at hits, I would lay off relationship conversations when they could have easily benefited them. Um, so as far as for comfortability, I mean, I was pretty comfortable by the time that, you know, my mom knew rather recent um and yeah i don't know i i'm i've always been unapologetically me with close people as far as for the platform you know radio's different i don't know i just it you don't see the other audience which is cool it's just like you're on the phone really it's not you're in front of my phone but so to me i don't know it was kind of easy to be myself for the most part like i was at least 90 percent me except the relationship part when it came to radio so I don't know. Maybe if it was TV, it might, I might have acted a little bit different. But with radio, it was just my voice. And you can decide what you think I am or what I look like. You, it just doesn't matter. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because I, you know, like, for me, it's always been easier to be myself when I'm in a group of people and to open up and to be vulnerable. And then when it com- when it came to one-on-one, that was a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Like it's way easier for me vulner- to be vulnerable with a group of people than with a single person really but you're especially doing, in relationships but aren't you doing like one-on-ones now and you're like oh yeah i mean mm-hmm. that's stuff that i've that i've worked through but i'm talking about like in romantic relationships it's way uh, harder for me to get vulnerable and talk about vulnerable things than it was with a group of people it was less threatening to talk about it with a group oh, of people. so that's okay. why i was wondering if with you in with your boyfriend if at first there was any fears around like being as vulnerable and as open I don't think so. I think, I think being it being my first relationship and he just came out of a five year one, he got a lot of his great communication skills and everything that was wrong in that relationship and he brought all the good to this one. So I'm really lucky in that aspect because 
while I may not have that much experience in relationships, he's kind of like guided me and saying like, why can't you just tell me how you feel instead of like being passive about something that you're feeling? Just tell me how you feel. And we would have gotten to A to Z rather than going to A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I was like, and then my therapist is telling me the same <laughs> thing. And I'm like, Fuck. yeah. So yeah. Why do you, why, why was the go-to to be passive? God, I just, you know, a lot of it was like, I felt like, why don't we all have common sense? Like, why don't you know that that bothers me? And common sense isn't common to mm. another person. <laughs> so I've mm. definitely learned that. I've always been told, communicate how you feel. But my therapist guided me and told me there's a way to communicate that it's how you say it. And, and it's how it's, it's what emotion that guided you to how you feel. You know what I mean? Like, were you jealous? Were you angry? Were you sad about it? Were you jealous? Rather than me saying, Hey, I feel like you're not talking to me anymore. What? You're going to feel defensive about that statement, but Hey, I'm starting to feel a little jealous. You're on your phone a lot talking to your friends rather than me. Oh my God. I'm, I didn't even notice that. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like you become, a, you become less defensive when you hear the emotion attached to it. Yeah. So that is I something that I'm trying to practice. Level. This next level communication. Like yeah. I'm so glad that you brought this up because that, yeah, I, you know, I, I, something that I'm also learning lately is for example, I have a friend who says he is like on my team and really loves me and really supports me yet. He has not listened to my podcast and knows that I want him to. Mm-hmm. And the way that I've gone about it before is being like, I can't believe you haven't listened to my podcast. Mm-hmm. And then today, actually, I was like, hey, you know, I really value your opinion and I really value you as a friend. And so it means so much to me. If you listen to my podcast, would you listen to these two episodes? And trust me, like that took a lot of effort in me because <laughs> it feels like that's like the weak thing to do, you know, right. actually being able to like ask from that place in a place that empowers someone as opposed to make them wrong and being like, you're a terrible friend, right. you're full of shit. If you were, re- if you were, if you actually cared, you would listen to my podcast. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it does matter where it's coming from. Yeah. 100%. I, that, that was like the biggest takeaway that I've had. I've had a few sessions since like February, I want to say. Um, and that's just been my biggest takeaway that I try to like, I try to like preach that to everyone I know. Cause I think it's like one of the best things I've ever learned. So. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's like a misconception or like an irony of, of Latin American families, which is like, they talk a lot, they communicate a lot, but it's another thing when it comes to feelings. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. They want to shield that 100%. If you show your emotion, you're weak. I've held my mom's hand so many times and explained to her things and she'll cry. But I'm like, what are you feeling? Like, why can't you just tell me how you feel? Are you anxious? Are you nervous? Or are you sad about this? Just tell me. Nada, nada. I just won't say it. I just, I don't understand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think also like in the Latin American culture, there's such a um, emphasis on, on being like a survivor and like striving and, and getting through. And so saying something like, no, 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 it's nothing. It's like a way to show like, I'm strong. Like, I don't have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Right. right. 100%. I wish I could just shove my mom into a therapist room and just like have her just learn about yourself and, and grow. I feel like I'm growing as a human being. Mm, yeah. I want that for her. Mm-hmm. Amen. Honestly, the... There's definitely, yeah, like among the older generation, especially like a resistance to, to looking within. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the moment for you that you said, okay, it's time for me to start doing therapy? I wanted to make sure I didn't continue having passive aggressive notions. And I didn't want to get to a point where, well, what if like this new life change was going to alter how I act or what I say or what I do. So it was kind of like preemptive. Like I, I wanted to make sure that I was okay here. Um, I had a lot of life changes came out to my dad. I knew he wasn't going to talk to me anymore. I mentally prepared myself a year wow. before that, but still like, you, you know, I'm still going to talk so about great. it with my therapist, even though I haven't, that hasn't been the, the, the biggest issue that I've had, but I do have to talk about it. Cause that, that is, 
that is crazy. That's 27 years of my life of someone that is gone. And, you know, just other situations, like just day-to-day things. Like there, there's been topics in, in therapy that I didn't even think I would just talk to him about, like even relating to work. I thought I had it all figured out with work. Like I finally made it. I got it. And he's encouraged me to just keep an open mind um, when it comes to my career. So I'm just benefiting from a lot of things that I didn't even expect. And I really just wanted to look for it. One, because I finally had insurance to becoming full done. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, just making sure that I'm all good in the membrane. Mm, that's huge. I mean, most people don't take that initiative. So I just want to acknowledge you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, um, I don't know if pesado is the right word, but I was like, Hey, I don't get how insurance works. Like, I don't know how to like pick one. And like, I just, I don't want to read these bios and call and make an appointment. So yes, like I totally get it. It's not lazy. It's just being pesado. Like, yeah, it's like drowning in the, drowning, drowning in the sorrows, like wanting to be, I always tell my clients, like you're, you just like being the protagonist of a shitty novella. Like that's, that's all. Mm-hmm. Happening here. <laughs> 100%. Right. We all have our yep. ways of doing that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so good. So as for moving in with your boyfriend, I'd love to hear like just some tips, things that you've learned in this process of making it easy moving in with a partner for the first time. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Lead with emotion. Passive aggressiveness doesn't work unless you're being jokey and funny, but there's always some truth to your jokey and funny passive aggressiveness. So don't go to bed angry. And I've noticed the difference. And even if it's like not 100% there, at least we had a cordial conversation about it before going to bed, but nothing feels worse than going to bed next to the person. And you're still very angry and waking up the next day. It's like the worst, the combined worst feelings that you could ever do. So that's my number one thing. And make sure you talk about the set responsibilities and point out the things that bother you. Like don't ever expect them to just randomly fix them because they left the shirt on top of the the kitchen sink or something. I don't know, just something, something random, just point it out and make sure that they change that. I think that's like my, it's my biggest thing. I'm so lucky to be living with Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. I think most people like don't want to be a bitch and don't want to say, Hey, you left that there and I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. We actually moved in with his close friend as well. And, um, and it's, and a lot of people always ask me too, like, how is that? Isn't that like weird? I'm like, no, it's been very smooth. Have there been issues? Yeah. Like, I think I have more, I think I've had a little bit more issues with the roommate than with Oscar, really. Like, he, he said it from the beginning though. He's like, I don't clean. I don't. I will pay for a cleaning lady that comes once a week, but I don't like cleaning. And he cooks these like five star Michelin freaking steaks and lobster and this and that. But he'll leave the fucking dishes there. And I'm like, <sighs> fuck, like the cleaning lady sounded great. But now when I'm like, when it's me and Oscar having to clean up this shit, I'm like, um, but other than that, no, I mean, Oscar's really easy to talk to about things that I don't like. Mm. And he's really easy going about it. So, yeah, that's amazing. How, any any specific tips on how to bring up what you don't like? Like, how does that go? Because I think most people are afraid that it's going to come out in this really nasty way. So, yeah, yeah how, how yeah. have you gone about that as someone who's you know that getting rid of passive aggression? It's it's hard. I'm not. I I can tell. I can sit down here and tell you, hey, lead with emotions. Tell them how you feel. But if it's something that's like grinding your gears and you are so angry to a point that you have to express it. Like the best thing to do, honestly, and this is advice I'm giving to myself is to take a step back, think, breathe, and talk about something that bothers you in a calm state. It is so easy to express yourself in anger. It really, really is. And it feels good to just let it out. It just all the fire coming out of your mouth and just letting them know how angry you feel. So you get your point across even stronger, but (laughs) it just never ends up going right. It never ends up going right. Unless they did something terrible. Like you killed my dog. Like that's completely different. But if this is something that is easily fixable and that you can just have a calm conversation about, like do that, like lead with love, lead with your emotion and do it in a calm state. Cause I think at the end of the day, you want two things. You want things to 
get fixed and you want things to end on a good term. Those are the two things you need to focus on. That's it. Fix what you don't like and then make sure that you guys are both happy with the result. And that's it. Wow. When you put it that way, it makes it sound really simple and easy to structure yeah. a conversation around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to be super aggress- passive aggressive too. And, and it was like just me trying to be a good girl. So it was like, oh, I really want to, I really want to yell at you, but I need you to like me. I need you to think that I'm nice. So now I'm just going to like, mm-hmm. you know, resent you because it's your fault that I'm upset right. and that I need to be a bitch right now. You're naturally very sweet though. So I'm assuming that could be very hard for you. Something well, really has to irk you yeah. to get into yeah, and Evil I mean, Tonight. Yeah, but you've seen Evil Tonight. Ten- like, Evil Tonight was really intense because it was, like, you know, suppressing so much that then it was, then it was like, watch out, you know? It was, like... But story. it was rare. It was rare it when was it would rare. come out. Yeah. You're very was. more chill. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, As someone who who always liked to be in front of the camera and now on the mic, was there any hesitations at first? I mean, I know there's always nerves, but but was there any hesitations of, of letting your voice be heard? Or or was that always natural to you? Like just this drive to have your voice be heard? I always wanted to be a star. Star, star. I just want to be in front of the cameras and the flashing lights and be the most entertaining thing in the world. And as I get older, I'm starting to like creep back and mm. I am almost enjoying the show. I almost like just like to see things perfectly placed and see it executed. So I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's a maturity thing or I don't know, maybe if it's like a career change, but right now, like I do love being in front of the mic and being entertaining and, and, and making people happy, hopefully. But no, I, I love being in front of the camera. I love producing fun content. I wish I was actually more involved than I was in college because in college, yes, I was producing and we were making sure we booked the things and make sure everything was on time. But I almost wish like I was in the editing room a little bit more and just watched that process and, 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 and do a little more. So I think that's my main thing right now. Like I said before, there's, there's almost like a producing aspect to me that I'm really am interested in. So you're taking more Um, like behind the scenes. Yeah. So yeah, I work with two, no, I was just going to say, like, for people who who are afraid of, of having their voice be heard in that way, was there any words of wisdom that you heard or any that you can come up with yourself of, like, not having that fear of, of just putting yourself out there unapologetically? So, you know me in college. I was saying yes to every single project. And I think a lot of it, a lot of this being in front of the camera and performing has to do with the environment that you're in. So in college, I felt very good. I felt like I was on my ish. I was executing things and producing great stuff. And then when you get into the big pond where there's stars around you and there's people that you used to listen to um, and you you really acknowledge their talent, you, you really are so shocked almost to a sense that you're working with these people, you start getting anxious again. And I don't remember ever doing an Out of the Bill episode or doing a podcast back in college that I was anxious. I was just like, I'm unapologetically me. I don't care. Let's do this. And that that was not my attitude getting to finally Cox Media Group on a radio station that I used to listen to, working with Kimmy B, who I used to listen to on the morning show, LP at night. Like It was a culture shock. So acknowledge your anxiety and know that there's going to be a beautiful place where you get comfortable where you're going to finesse how you do things and how you execute things and it's going to be your style and you're going to put your finesse on it but you have to work towards that it will not happen on day one only a few special superstars can do that on day one but that was not the case for me i i i went in there i was just doing traffic i was just reading off a paper like i never read off a paper on the podcast like in gainesville i never read off a, a teleprompter when we did our out of the bill stuff it was just on the go and improv almost yeah and now I do a segment on the morning show where I do improv every Monday, where I play Kelbino, uh, the incredible Kelbino, where I do, I do like fortune telling to people, and it's improv every what? single Monday. Like do and people call like, in? Yes, oh, people call amazing. in. They're like, "What? What's the? What's gonna be the sex of my baby boy? Or what is this new guy I'm dating gonna be my lover?" And I'm like, "Oh, I have to say something funny and on the spot." And it's 
oh my God, I'm getting anxious about it because I want it, I want to execute it perfectly. So just know that anxiety is going to be there, but I don't know. I want to say help it empower you, but I'm still learning that. And I'm finally getting to a place where I'm getting comfortable where just recently, I want to say a few months ago, they were like, hey, you're going to take over the entertainment segment. And I was, and, and it was the first time where I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. I wasn't anxious. And I, you, I promise you, I, I, these last two years, like before this one, but the two years before that, when they were like, Hey, you got to cover an afternoon shift. I was like, what the fuck? Like yeah, I used to listen to the afternoon show. Like that was crazy for me. So yeah, was there any, like, I mean, I'm sure there was, but uh, tell me a little bit about, um, what's that called? Imposter syndrome. Like, how did you deal with that? I never, it's not that I never believed the imposter syndrome, but I, I only felt the imposter syndrome when I got the morning show because I believed that there was a set of dues that had to be paid in order to get to that point. A lot of people work so many years to get a morning show position. And I want to say it was a combination of my talent and time that got me to the point. And thankfully, in a strange way, COVID happened. And listening times kind of changed. And that first year where everything was closed down and people were waking up at like 10, going to work on Zoom and where they weren't going in the cars listening, I felt safe to practice my craft and get comfortable and get good. So I took that to my advantage. And I feel like that imposter syndrome is going away a little bit more just because now I've been a year in and now I'm like being funny on air and being quick-witted and I've grown a comfortability in a good way. So as far as for the imposter syndrome, I mean, I knew I had to pay my dues and I knew I had to put in time into the work that I was trying to get at to get to a level that I want to. So as far as for me being in there, like, no, I started out in traffic. I started out really small that they gave me like a 7 a.m. shift or 6 a.m. shift on a weekend. And then I got to practice and get better at that. And then you start building. So to me, it was always like a building game. Like I had to put in my work and put in my years in to get comfortable. And that's what that was. But the morning show definitely that's where imposter syndrome came in. Beautiful. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget, including myself, I sometimes forget those steps. I sometimes forget, you know, like you said, the, what did you call it? Like the stepping game or, um, the paying your dues. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in our, in our, in our culture of like put an Instagram reel and become famous tomorrow. I think we tend to forget. Um, especially when it comes to like our anxiety and our feelings catching up, like maybe you did put an Instagram reel and it got a thousand views. But, but how are you feeling? Right. And so that might take a little longer. So I love that you just had a very real response. Like, yeah, the more time that I did this, the better that I felt and the less the imposter syndrome was around. So yeah, I think it's just like a lesson of slowing down and, and trusting that it's all just going to unfold the way that it needs to. If you just keep your eye trust on, the, the, on process. the game, right? Trust the process and nothing worthwhile is easy. Nothing worthwhile is easy. Hmm. Yep. Love that. Mm-mm-mm. Just just putting it out straight. Yeah. 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 That, and that deals with everything. That's not just career. That's losing weight. That's mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if we set ourselves up to find the easy thing, then it's a really easy way to get frustrated. Yeah. And it's an easy way to get fired too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can't no believe the hour just flew by. Thank you so much. You know, I think there's so much to learn from, from like you said, like just, um, letting time take its course with, you know, with how you decided to identify yourself and your, your, um, your sexuality and, and then with your job, like letting it settle. And, um, and you've like, what I really admire in you is that you've always had your eye on the prize. You knew what you wanted. You weren't sure how you were going to get there, but no one was going to take away your dream from you. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I had my eyes on the prize. Yeah. So thank you so much. How can my listeners get in touch with you if they have any questions or if they want to check you out? 786 6 I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can Give follow me, me on IG Live. Um, I'm, you, I'm Honestly, IG is like my most, uh, I'm the most uh, active on that one. Uh, at Kelvin Live. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, probably at Kelvin Live everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, and my emails. 
are on my IG too. So if you actually needed some advice or anything, I am here. Um, and before we wrap up, I do want to say thank you tonight because honestly, like you were the first one to give me an opportunity with like no questions asked. And you were, and I, I remember, like I tell this story to people all the time. I'm like, you know, I didn't start a, a cooking show. I added on to a cooking show and I was given the opportunity to just do what I wanted. Like I remember going up to you specifically and saying hey like if you need a camera person please let me know and you were like why don't you just host with me and I was like okay like sure I've never done it but why not and that was really the first time that I had an opportunity to just do something that I wanted and I think you gave me a lot more than I I don't know if you ever ever even give yourself credit for but I think that was just one of the first times in my life where I was able to just do something I really loved and enjoyed so I thank you for that. I, I definitely would not be in a place in my life without you or Adam DeVille. So. Thank you. On that note, if you guys want to check out some like very cringy, but beautiful. <laughs> Super cringy, uh-huh. but great food. Great. Yeah. Like if you just want to watch two college kids reaching for their dreams, eating delicious food, then go on YouTube and look up Adam DeVille. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.